You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. All right, let's talk about temptation some more today, all right? Pastor Dave did a wonderful job of talking to you and exposing the tempter, you know, Satan and, 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 and how he, he works. I want to talk a little bit more uh, about the idea of how you uh, get out of temptation, how you overcome and you live above, rise above temptation this morning. And uh, I, I, I don't want to be, um, well, I just want to do that. I just, I just I want to challenge you this morning. I really, I want to sound an alarm this morning. Um, so if, if I start to sound a little bit like hellfire and brimstone-ish and, and, and all of that kind of stuff, uh, it's probably because I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing that. I, I want to scare you a little bit this morning. I, I think that temptation is that place where uh, it is dangerous. It is a very, very dangerous place. Okay, so well, I'm going to talk, I'm gonna, you're going to hear that, that a lot from me this morning. Um, so if you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I would like to start right there, all right? And, and here's the thing. I want you to understand sort of, sort of the, the path of temptation. And Pastor Dave brought a lot of that out. But I want you to understand a way out of it, okay, how, how to get out of that. Um, and here's, here's the reality. If you keep living, uh, temptation will keep coming. You're never going to be at a place where you are not encountering temptation in your life. Um, and so I, I'm not so interested in convincing you that, that you are going to come under temptation. You're going to, all right? You're going to. Uh, but what I'm concerned about is that you have a plan for your next encounter. Not that you're sitting around thinking, yeah, I, I know, I know, temptation is out there and we're all tempted and Jesus was tempted and this and that and the other. But I want you to have an exit plan. I want you to have uh, some pl- strategy in your mind so that when temptation presents itself, you have an exit plan. You already have something in place so that you know what you're capable of doing once temptation hits, all right? And so I want to go to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to take you into the book of Proverbs a little bit today uh, as well. And uh, I just want you to, 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 to run with me with this, okay? And I really hope that at the end of this that you are really scared about temptation. That there's, a, there's a good holy fear in you about the area of temptation and you knowing how to deal with it. You know, if, I, if I'm afraid of something, I get preventative about it, all right? I, I don't want someone to break into my home, so I have locks on my doors. Every night I go around my house and I make sure the doors are locked. I'm preventative. I don't want someone coming in my home. The first time I realized that someone had walked into my garage and taken something out of my garage when we had left the door open, there was a, there was a horrible feeling in my gut. It was like, this is dangerous. You know? So I, I, just wanna, I, want, I want you to be preventative and I want you to be prepared. All right? So let's look at 1 Corinthians. I'd just like to read through uh, chapter 10, verses 12 through 14 with you. And then we'll try to unpack this a little bit this morning. Okay? Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee. I want you to, I want you to really let that word just sink into you. You flee from idolatry. Um, I was 
doing some, some looking on the internet, and I was reading different stories of how people describe uh, temptation and how the enemy works, you know, wh- how the enemy uh, moves and works to try to lure people and, and trap them and capture them. Um, and there was a, a, a story written by an, an, an old fella uh, in, in, up in the, the Northland, and this is how he describes Satan's uh, attack or Satan's uh, strategy to get us. He says, it's like this. It's like an Eskimo when he kills a wolf. He's out in the, in the snow and the cold. And he repeatedly takes his blade and he coats it with animal blood, allowing it to freeze over and over until the blade is fully covered. And then he places the blade of the knife in the snow. And as the young wolf comes along, smelling the traces of the blood, he begins to lick the blood. But on the cold, frozen blade, his tongue is numbed. And as he gets the appetite for this blood and his hunger is fueled, the wolf licks the knife and cuts his own tongue repeatedly, and eventually bleeds out, possibly to death as a result of his own lust. And he's separated from the pack, and there alone he dies. Isn't that an awful picture? It's absolutely awful. But I want, I want you to feel some of that this morning. I want you to understand that the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. I want you to understand that he will isolate you and cut you off. He will get you alone. And he knows that very thing that will appeal to the appetite of your own lust. And he will do whatever he can to make arrangements for you to to take part in that with the ultimate intent that it will cut you, bleed you, and kill you. And spiritually, that is what happens to many Christians. And I want to challenge you and I this morning that we look at this thing and that we get a plan. We get our handle around this thing. Salvation, uh, folks, is not a barrier to temptation. And I want you to understand that this morning. Just because you got saved does not mean you do not get tempted. The reality is because you got saved, all the more you will be tempted. And you need to understand that that is where you live. All right, Satan is more likely to attack you as a Christian than an unbeliever. I mean, already he's got the lost person. He loves nothing better than causing one of God's children to fall into sin. He gloats at that. He loves that. He he savors that. Temptation, folks, while it, it cannot be avoided, here's the joy. It can be overcome. You can overcome the temptations in your life. I'm not trying to set you up for defeat this morning. I'm not trying to, to gloss over the, the, uh, the challenges and the struggles and the fight and the battle of overcoming temptation. It is hard. But I don't, want, I don't want to preach you a sweet little gospel that says just because you got saved, now you can rest and everything else is okay and nothing is going to happen anymore. I, I, don't, I don't want you to come under this false security system I want you to understand that because you are a Christian, even though it is hard to endure at times, temptation can be overcome and God will actually use your experience in temptation to help you to grow to be more like Christ. 
And so I want you today to believe, I want you to know and understand and believe that not only do, do you need to understand what temptation will do, but you need to know how to turn it into a triumph in your life. You need to know how to make it a victory in your life. And here's the problem, is so many of us as Christians, our testimony is one of defeat. If we were really honest about our times of temptation, many of us would give accounts of defeat, not of victory. Where we have succumbed to different things that the enemy has brought in front of us. And so there's a lot more defeat in the camp of the Christian than there is victory. And so I want to challenge you today to really see it as something that you can do, all right? And so if, I, if, if I'm going to do that for you, I'm, I'm going to get a bit dramatic about it, all right? Uh, so I hope you'll endure that. But I want you to understand something. I, I love the songs today. I love the, the sort of prophetic uh, exhortation that Jack gave us uh, as he was praying today. Um, all of that was wonderful. And you know what? There's a wonderful aspect of God that is talked about in picture and story of fire and the refiner's fire. But that's a very harnessed fire. That's a very purposeful fire. It's used to do something very specific in our lives in conforming us to the image of Christ and burning out all the stuff that is, that is in our lives that is sinful and harmful and all of that. But there is a kind of fire out there that will burn you, all right? It will destroy you. It is an untamed fire. It is an unquenchable fire in this earth. And it is sin, and it comes through temptation. And so throughout this message today, I want to tell you something over and over again, and I want you to hear it. And that is that to fall and play and live around temptation is danger. It is danger Danger, danger. It will burn you. It will destroy you. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. You don't want to be there. You want to run from it. You want to get away from it. Because if it consumes you, it will take you down. And I don't want you living in that kind of defeat. I want you to be free and capable of letting God do the work that He wants to do in your life to to transform you into the kind of person that he wants you to be so you can give him glory and honor. When temptation arises, people usually respond in three different ways. The primary method for dealing with temptation, unfortunately, is simply to just give in. We are so good at that. Many people live as, and, and, and uh, Nathan did such a good job with the the, the material on sexuality. But, but our body is not our own, but we, we live like that. Even as Christians, we oftentimes live like that, and we just give in. We have that mentality that if it feels good, I'm okay to do it, and we're not. When you live like that, you're not living any different than an animal. You're doing everything that, that you want to to gratify your flesh not build your spirit man or woman. And, and, and nearly all lost people live this way, but sadly, so do a lot of Christians. Others, they don't just continually give in to it, but they struggle. They struggle against temptation daily. They spend all their time, I'm talking about Christians now, they spend all their time fighting temptation. 
It's just a, it's this constant ongoing battle. You don't have to raise your hands, but I just wonder how many of us have either been there or we are there now in our lives. Where, where I wake up in the morning and it's a beginning battle. I battle all day long and I battle when I go to bed at night. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm burnt on this thing of fighting temptation. And, and generally one gives in to that place eventually because they just get so tired of the struggle. And why? Because you're fighting in your own strength. You're fighting literally out of your own flesh. And you will fail over and over because no one can fight this evil nature alone. If we could defeat the power of sin on our own strength, folks, then it would have been pointless for Jesus to die for you. This type of person hates what they do, but they go on doing it because they feel as though they have no power to stop it. And that's an awful place to live. And I've been in that place. And I think if you were honest, you would say there have been times when you've been in that place. You don't like what you're doing. You don't want to do what you're doing. But you're fighting out of your own strength and not capable of overcoming. But finally, there's a third. And that is those who overcome temptation through the power of Jesus Christ. And those individuals are able to turn their temptation into a victory or a a triumph, if you will. And that may sound cheesy, like wishful thinking to many of you, especially if you've been in that cycle of sinning over and over again. But I want to tell you, it is possible to live in victory. It is absolutely possible. And for you and I to to be effective, to do what God has called us to do, to fulfill our destiny in life, it requires us to live in that kind of victory. I didn't say perfection. Your perfection is in Christ. And I'm not asking you to be perfect, but I'm asking you to consider what you might be able to do to change your lifestyle in order that you might be able to live a life in such a way that you are an overcomer, that you are able to rise above the temptation that comes against you, that assaults you in any given moment of any given day. And so there are a few things this morning that I, I want to I talk to you and help you to try to be able to do this. I, I, I'm saying try to be able to do this, but I believe that you can do this. But it is up to you. Ultimately, I can give you some guidance. I can offer you some encouragement. I can lay out some strategies. These men who have preached to you these past uh, three Sundays... I mean, I, I, I gave you the introduction. I opened the door to this idea of consecration and sanctification. And I called you to come in with me and let's journey together and let's, let's, let's give our hearts to, to God in this year in, a, in ways that maybe we have never done before. And next Sunday, I'm going to call you to do that. I'm going to call you specifically to do that. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your chair and stand with me. And let's, let, there's going to be a moment in time when we are going to dedicate ourselves to 2014 as, as people who are sanctified and set apart to God. We're going to become holy vessels of honor unto God. We already are in Christ, but I want a point in time where you and I are saying together, Life Church is going to be distinctive in this year, and we're going to set ourselves apart and seek God to be effective within our neighborhood and beyond. And so I want to help you today to do that. And so I want us to think together this morning as I am talking to you, how do I personally overcome? All right? 
I, I don't want you to think about temptation in the broader sense. All Christians are tempted. All Christians fail. All Christians are having a hard time. They're assaulted in the earth. All this and all that. And, and seeing it in some kind of group uh, thing. I want you to sit here today and say, how do I personally overcome temptation? What am I going to do? What is my strategy going to be? Because as I said a while ago, it is a danger a danger, a danger for you to let sin take you and destroy you and consume you and burn your life up when you have so much potential to do something for God. Don't let sin take you further than you want to go. Do what you have to do. Make it, get it set in stone. This is my response. This is the way I am going to come against temptation in my life. And if you have that plan, it will make a dramatic difference not only in how you approach life in this earth, but I'm telling you what, it will have a huge impact on how you approach God. I want for you and I as believers, and for the church in general, that we are not constantly just approaching God to manage our sin, but that we are approaching God, coming boldly to His throne room of grace, because we are excited to do something for the kingdom. That we're living above and beyond the sin baggage. And that we're living in our identity in Christ and who we are in Jesus. And we're able to say, hey, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do something big for God. And I, and I can do that because I'm not living out of my guilt. I'm not living out of my shame. I'm not living out of my condemnation. I'm not living out of my cycle of sin. I'm living in a place where I feel like I can do something powerful for God because I have victory in my walk with Him. You are the subject of temptation. Who's affected by temptation? You! You! When you're tempted, it's, it's, it's affecting you. Not only will it affect you, depending on how you respond to temptation, it will affect your spouse. It will affect your children. It will affect others in your family. It will affect the church. Nathan brought that out very beautifully when he preached. It's not just about you, but it's about how you are living your life in community in the context of your own natural family, but also in the context of your church family. It affects how you live in the world that you are, are working in and socializing in and playing in. And every human is subject to temptation from the best to the least. Jesus, David, Peter, David, Bill, Susan, Jeannie, no one in here that is exempt. There's no one in here that doesn't get affected by temptation. We're daily assaulted. And it's a wide range of things that come against you. It might, it might revolve around sex. It might revolve around laziness. It might revolve around food. It might revolve around deceit. It might revolve around pride. The list can go on and on. But here's what I want you to understand. Somewhere in that list... You make your list as long as you want to. This is one list I hate making. What are this? I, I asked someone this morning, what, you know, what, what kind of temptation are you subject to? And I, I pride further. You know, I was like, what kind of weaknesses do you have? What's your greatest weakness? 
I don't like making that list. I don't, I don't like looking at the things that I, I know pull at me and that I'm prone to linger around, stay a little close to too long, those kinds of things, all right? But, but here's what you need to understand. You've got to look at it because you need to understand that we all have at least one area where we are particularly susceptible. There is some place in your life where there is a weak link. If you, it, I had someone tell me one time, a lovely young lady, a precious, beautiful young lady, she was in this church, and she came to me and she said, Pastor, I'm just, I'm so strong now. I, I don't have any problems with any of these sins that you've been preaching about. And she said, you know, I just, I see everybody in the body of Christ. I see them as just, you know, children of God. And I, I don't see them with worldly eyes anymore, Pastor. I, I just see them spiritually. I, I, I've reached a place, Pastor, where... Every time I look at a person, male or female, it's a single mom, I see them as God sees them. Do you see what's happening there? You, like, if this is God and this is her, do you see what's happening as she's talking to me? There's this thing going on. And she's, she's getting up there. If she isn't above, she's, the balance has got them equal. All right? I'm right there with God. I see like God sees. I respond like God responds. That's me. I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Within six months, she had fallen into adultery. And it was a devastating situation. She had succumbed to a temptation that she had no plan to get out of. She had no strategy, no preventative measure whatsoever. You are subject to temptation. You are daily assaulted with temptation. It is not a sin to be tempted. He, Hebrews says, for, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus understands where you are. He understands where you've been. He understands where you're going to be and what you're going to encounter. But the beauty is that in that place, he identifies with that temptation, yet he never entered into sin. You see, sin enters into the picture when temptation is surrendered to. So when I'm preaching to you and telling you that you're going to be tempted and, and, and this is an ongoing part of your life, that should not defile you. It should not slime you. It should not make you feel dirty. It should not make you feel ineffective. There's no sin in you being tempted. It is when you give in to that temptation that sin enters the picture. But here's the greatest danger for you and I, and I want you to understand this today, and that is that when we think that we have arrived at a place where we are above sinning, Because I'm going to tell you what, the great sin is the sin of pride. And there's nothing uglier than spiritual pride or religious pride on the face of the earth. I was reading this story of this lady and she went to her pastor and her fourth child was being confirmed. 
And as soon as the confirmation had finished, she, she like literally stood up and she announced this to the whole congregation and to the pastor in particular. And uh, she's this big lady and she, she gets up and she goes, Hallelujah! That's the fourth one. That's the last one. My work is done, finally. I can relax. I'm like, no, sweetie, your work is just beginning. If they've just gone through confirmation, they've got the worst days of their life just ahead of them. Puberty is exploding. Temptation is out there. The world is coming in. No, 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 no. You know what? Someone should have got up and said, danger, danger, danger. There's a fire out there. It'll burn your children. It'll consume them. It'll take them out. It'll be the end of them. They'll go too far. They'll stay too long. It'll cost too much. And that's how we have to look at our children. That's how we have to look at one another. Some of you are going, he's gone crazy today. I have. I have been looking forward to screaming at you for a little while. (laughs) If I don't do anything else today, maybe I will wake up a few behinds in here. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. Get off your duff. Quit hanging around sin. Quit staying in that place. All right? Let's, Let's realize that the devil is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. Why doesn't God just kill the devil and remove this attraction for sin? If that were to happen, then then you and I would lose the ability to become overcomers in Jesus Christ. And there's something amazing about that. Without opposition, there is no victory. And God has not called us to a life of ease, but he has called you to a life of victory. And that's what I want you to understand. Uh, Here's the deal. Some of you... It's getting hot in here. (laughs) Some of you, you bought into a lie. And that lie was, okay, I get saved and I marry another Christian and we find a a nice little church and everything's sweet. And as we say down south, hunky-dory. No, that is not the Christian life. The Christian life is a battle. It is an ongoing struggle. I'm not going to paint you any pretty pictures and tell you that you got at, at ease in Zion. All right? There is a day of rest coming for all of us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. We will be together with God. And all things will be made new. But we are not there. We're in a fallen earth filled with sin. And there's a, God is a good God. But the devil is a bad devil. And the earth is a fallen earth. And we need the reality of this just coming, coming into us. All right? And so I want you to see yourself living in victory. You will face evil. It will come against you. And, and you need to be ready. Here's the thing you need to understand, folks. You're not unique. Not in this sense. Every one of you is unique in the sense that you're, you're wonderfully you. You're a one of a kind. You, you're created by God. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have amazing value and worth. But when it comes to temptation and sin, you're not unique. And and, and you can't just go out there and start whining and saying, oh, you all don't know what I've gone through and you don't know how bad it's been to me. This passage I read to you in verse 13 says, these are sins that are common. 
The, 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 the temptations that are coming against you are common because the sins are common. And they come against all of us. They're run-of-the-mill, garden-variety temptations. We all get the same ones from the same source, if you will. Pastor Dave alluded to this in, in the garden and showed you the original dynamic of the fall. Did a great job with that. And that same kind of temptation is coming against you. I want to identify with you for just a few minutes here what I think are three major sources of temptation and how they attack us. I hope this will help you. The first one is the world. The world is a source of temptation. Now, in, in the scriptures, I think that, that when, when we use the term world, I think we mean like a system or an, or an order, uh, if you will, or a world order, that kind of thing. The Bible speaks of this, this, this kind of system called the world, and talks about the world being evil, talks about the world being fallen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, do not love the world, don't love the system, don't love the order, if you will, okay, or the things in the world. It's getting very specific. See, not everything in the world is bad, not everything in the world is evil, but folks, there's some stuff out there that isn't evil, but it will take you down. And, and you can't get to the place where, where j- just like this pride thing balances someone and God and, and, and puts them on an equal plane. Well, you, you, can't, you can't do that with, with stuff. You, you can't decide that, hey, this stuff isn't, it isn't going to hurt me and it, it, it's going to be okay. No, if there is something out there, it, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't balance out with safety just because it isn't evil. It doesn't mean it's okay. There's nothing wrong with food, but if food is your comforter and your God and that is your idolatry, it will take you to hell. As Nathan so beautifully put it, there is nothing wrong with sex if you are a husband and a wife. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. But if you're not, you're a fornicator or an adulterer. And that bent can destroy you. It can take you out, if you will. It'll not only destroy you, it'll destroy your spouse. It'll destroy your children. It'll destroy your extended family. It'll, it'll reap destruction and havoc inside of the church. And outside as well. It is possible for a believer to become so worldly that they fail to stand out for the Lord. We are to be different. We are to be distinct. I didn't say weird and odd. We're simply not to allow the world to force us into its mold. Present your, Romans 12, 1, present your bodies a living sacrifice. The dynamic of sacrifice is dying. I remember commercials growing up as a young boy. Some of you will remember them because you're older than me. Some of you will just go, never heard of that. A lot of you will, actually. Live life to the fullest. Live the gusto. 
Some of you are shaking your head. You know, the world will tell you that life, it, it's life and it's full and it's rich and it's abundant. If it's filled with sin. But the Bible will tell you that you need to die to yourself. You need to present your body in such a way. The, the world's idea of beauty is all messed up and skewed. It's all out here external. And God's idea of beauty is inward. It is of the soul, untouched and unspoiled by the taint of the world. How do you and I overcome the world? I think the key is faith. It is faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Invariably, as I talk to people and they are succumbing to temptations in this world, Many, many, many of them, the next thing out of their mouth when I question them is, no, I don't really read my Bible. You want a good strategy for overcoming temptation? Get in the Word of God. John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How many of you are really focusing on your faith? How many of you are really developing your faith? How many of you are really trying to, to, to pull in things that really strengthens your faith? How many of you are talking about things that will build up your faith? You're going, Pastor, you're just making life really miserable for all of us. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you something. I, I can tell you about misery. Misery is when temptation comes along, you give in to it, you commit sin, that sin gets found out, and you have to deal with it publicly. You want to talk about misery? That's some misery. I'm trying to help you not be miserable. You just want to have a fleeting moment of good time. I understand that. I get that. But, but, but I need you to understand that that is dangerous. So there are some of those places where you go. You have been going. You have gone in the past. And the fire is right there. All right? And somehow we tend to get familiar enough with the fire that it no longer seems to be dangerous to us. And so we start inching ourselves closer and closer and closer to the fire. We see just how close we can get to it. What does faith do? Faith makes God real to you. It makes God get bigger. It, it makes God appealing. It makes God desirable. It makes you willing to lay down the world so that instead you are walking with God. First John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, oh my goodness, the love of the Father is not in him. When we say someone is worldly, what are we saying? We're saying that that person loves the world and the things of the world more than they love God. What that means is the love of the Father is not the priority. So let me ask you a question. Answer it honestly to yourself this morning. How many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt by your conviction and your lifestyle that you really do love God more than you love the world? Be honest with your answer to yourself. And don't just answer it and pass it off. Deal with it. 
deal with it with God today. All right, today. Suppose that you're driving and you notice that the oil light blinks red on your dashboard. What do you do? You just take a hammer and break the light? Put tape over it so you can't see it anymore? No, the light is warning you that your engine is out of oil. Some of you laugh because you've done something just that crazy. Okay, you solve the problem by pouring oil into the crankcase, right? Of course. You don't solve the problem by ignoring the sin or the temptation that is coming against you. My friend, if something is tempting you, you better become very aware of it. You better, you better understand what's going on. And you better understand how much you have contributed to that temptation becoming what it is at that given moment. What is your, what is your play in this? What is your role in this as the Christian? Some guy comes to me and he sits down in my office and he says, Hey, I'm sorry, I, I had this moment with this, this woman. It, it's a one-time thing. I didn't mean to do it. I feel awful. I don't know what to do about this. Uh, I, you know... She just, she just came out of nowhere. She did not just come out of nowhere. And you had to think about something before you took your britches off. I mean, what are you doing? You're, you're unzipping your pants and, and you're going, oh, I, well, I don't know what's going on. This is just coming out of nowhere. I mean, but, I, I, but, I, but I don't know what to do. No. That is so bogus. My friend, you are responsible. You are responsible for your actions. Even if it T-bones you, even if it blindsides you, even if you are surprised by it. I mean, I've had people come in the office and say, you know what, I did not know that this was a weakness for me. I, I had no idea that I, I could succumb to this. I am, I, I'm messed up. I understand that. I get that. Now, we've got to figure a way out of this moment through repentance and forgiveness and restoration, get you on the other side of that as quick as possible. But then you need a strategy because if that is a weakness, it's going to come again. Because that's how the devil works. And you need some way out of this thing. Return to your first love. Go back to that that you know. If you are worldly, there are warning signs that are going to illuminate in your dashboard, my friend. And it's going to say to you, deficit in love. Deficit, a love deficit with God and with others. Don't fight the warning lights in your life because what they're doing, they are saying, danger, danger, danger. This is a hot place. You need to turn and go in the other direction. That's the world. Then there is the flesh. Please don't check out on me. I got a little bit more to, to talk about here today, okay? Born into every one of us, from the most innocent child to the godliest adult, is a bent in our nature. It's just there. There's a leaning towards sin. You need to understand that. When sin calls, there's something about you, even though you're focused, even though you're driven, even though you've got blinders on and all that, you can hear it. It'll, 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 it'll get there. It'll drop in your ear. It's called that old nature. 
And there is a civil war that is going on in your heart if you are saved and you are here today. I'm talking to believers. If you're not a believer, you're in as much danger or worse. And you need to run just like the believer does, from that fire to that refiner's fire. Galatians 5, 17, For the desires of the flesh are against, against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. When we fail, we try to blame our sin on the devil. Oh, he tempts, yes. He is to be blamed for tempting. And he points you towards sin. He, he will get your eye on it. And he will make it look good. He will dress it up and make it look good. But you are responsible for the final decision in your life. You are responsible for the choice that you make. And if you choose to get close, that is your choice. That is your decision every time. There's a story told of a very affluent, very aristocratic woman. And um, she's reviewing these resumes these are potential candidates, a chauffeur of her new Rolls Royce that she has just purchased. And she narrows the application down to three men. And she interviews the first man and she sits him down and uh, she says, uh, can, you, you know, can you drive a Rolls Royce? Do you know how to drive a, a very expensive car and take care of one? Yes, I have, I have a history of doing this. I have a, it's on my resume. So let's go out and look at my car. She takes him out, shows him her car. And uh, she uh, stands by the car and she says, you see this wall? And she has this huge brick wall as part of her, her mansion and her courtyard. And uh, she says, tell me, tell me honestly now, how close could you drive me in on my Rolls Royce to this brick wall right here without damaging my car? And, you know, he's looking at it and looking seriously. And he says, he says, you know, I think that I could very easily and very comfortably every day of my life drive that Rolls Royce to within 12 inches of that brick wall. And I would never, never, ever hurt it. And she said, okay, thank you. She did the same process with the second man. And when he got to that question, he, he looked as well. And he says, you know what? I can confidently tell you, madam, that I will drive your Rolls Royce to within six inches of that wall, and I will never scrape the bumper of your car. Third man, she goes through the same process with him. They get out. He looks at that wall. He looks at the Rolls Royce. And he says, well, I could probably get pretty close, but I want to tell you something. I never would. Why would I want to get close to that wall with such a beautiful car? That is ridiculously dangerous to do. And she said, you got the job. He understood something these other guys did, didn't. And I want to tell you something. There's, there's a part of us that is actually, we got this kind of crazy, weird, bent pride that just tries to see how close we can play with the devil. How close can I get to him? Guys, for the most part, I think sometimes you have it worse. I'm a guy, I'm tough, I can do this. My wife is far better at warning. She is far better at sounding the alarm and, 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 and the radar is going off than I am. But I want to tell you something. You got to understand something. It is never smart for you to see how close you can get. That man or woman at work that starts talking to you and asking you personal questions want to know how you're doing, how you're feeling. That's just too close. 
Don't set yourself up for something. Oh, I just enjoy talking to you so much because my husband doesn't listen to me. Uh, when I worked for the J.C. Penney Company, I, uh, I worked so many hours, and they required so much from me. And I gave it. I gave it willingly. And I'd come home, and I'd be so tired. I'd be like, I just want to go to bed. Last thing I want to do was talk. My wife had been home all day with our little boy and a dog. Neither one of them could talk. She wanted to talk. She wanted to hear about my day. Well, how'd your day go? Oh, it was fine. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. But on break at work, there was this lady. I was not sexually attracted to her at all. Never would have been in a million years. But she always found it quite convenient to take break when I took break. And she would sit there and she would ask me questions. And I didn't realize it, but I was just, I was telling her all the things I should be telling my wife. We were just chatting. It seemed innocent. And one day, I came in, and I, I just, I, it, was, it wasn't my best day. She found herself at the table very quickly. And, and she said, what's up? What's going on? You just don't seem right. I said, no, nah, it's nothing. It's no big deal. You know, I don't want to talk about it. And she kind of leaned across the table and leaned in. She put her arms, like, under her breast and moved them up. <laughs> and laid herself across the table. What is that? That's going, hey, you, wanna, you want to feel better? Look at me. Let me make you feel better. And then she began to say to me, hey, you can talk to me about it. Even, even stuff you can't talk to Barb about. She used my wife's first name. Like I said, I have no sexual desire here at all, but I'm going to tell you what. I got up from that table. I didn't say thank you for the offer. I didn't say you are a mean old woman. I didn't say nothing. I got up and walked away from that table. I forgot about it. I let it go. I didn't deal with it appropriately. But, but my wife and I, in, in a spirit of prayer one evening for our son, God dealt with me about that thing. And so there have been times when I've had to go to my wife and say things to her like, you need to forgive me because, you know, emotionally I've been attached to someone else. Not on some deep level, but just some level. You know, it's like I, 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 I'm, I've got energy for that person, but, but not for my wife. That is a place of temptation, and it needs to be cut off. I have to be I can't expect someone else to take care of that. I have to take care of that myself. As hard as it may be for me to do that, I have to do it. That is my responsibility. That is your responsibility, and you need to do that. The world will draw you in. Let me give you one more, and that is the devil. Out and out battles with the devil. The devil, his, his main objective, as far as you are concerned, is cause you to fall. Because if you fall, that will dishonor God, and you will become useless in the kingdom. 
You cannot work for God and live in the depths of sin. And he knows every weakness you have, and he exploits them because he's trying to get you to sin. And he tells you how great that sin will be, how great it will feel, how great, how much you will enjoy it. He not only do that, he'll tell you you deserve it. And all the time he hates you and he's polluting you with his defeat. Because he loves to point to a fallen Christian and laugh and stand before God and accuse you. Don't you give him that kind of satisfaction. You run. That is the danger. The danger is that the enemy will take you. And once he's got you further than you can go, he will grab a hold of you. And there he will destroy you. And thank God for other Christians who have been willing to go and pluck someone out of that fire and bring them back out of love and care for them in the community, in the body of faith. The key word in overcoming the devil is flight. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First thing you do, submit to God. Don't go messing with the devil. Submit to God. Then resist the devil. you have a problem with a particular sin, you don't need to be standing there staring at it the whole time. Turn yourself around and look to God. Put that thing behind you and go in the other direction. If donuts is your temptation, don't drive by the bakery. Good heavens. There's more than one road. The guy he tells this story. He's in, he's in therapy. And he says, there's a road. I walked down it. It had a hole in the middle of it. I fell in the hole. It was nasty down there. I had to get out. Next week, they went to therapy. He's sitting in this little group, and he says, they said, what did you learn this week? He said, there's a road. Got a hole in the middle of it. He goes, I was walking down that road. I walked around that hole. I didn't fall in. Next week, they go to therapy. He says, what would you learn? He said, I found a new road. You don't have to keep falling down. You don't have to stay in that place. When you feel the heat, when it says danger, 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 you need to realize that you need to be taking another path. You gotta, there's another road you can go down and it won't destroy you. It will give you life. It will give you eternal life and the abundant life that is in Jesus Christ. And that road is a highway and it is straight and it is narrow according to the scriptures. And that's where you need to land. You, you give flight to the devil, all right? This whole thing of, well, if you just leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. You know, no, no. If the devil's in it, that other person isn't going to leave you alone. That donut isn't going to stop calling your name, all right? That deceptive practice isn't going to go away. That spirit of laziness isn't just going to dissolve. Whatever the enemy is using to get a hold of you, it's going to come again and again. It won't leave you alone. It will keep battering you. It will keep coming after you. 
give me just a few more minutes. I want you to be an overcomer. And there are three words that I want you to remember from today. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Flight, faith, fight. Flight, faith, fight. If you're going to overcome the flesh, you're going to need to fight. All right? And you're going to need to flight. You, the, the Bible says, this is why flight is so important. All right? Learn, learn a lesson from Scripture. David's on the balcony. He looks out over the balconies of, of, of the city, and he sees Bathsheba. She's out there taking a bath. And so he decides to linger, you know? I mean, perhaps initially he tried. I don't know. But the Bible says he, he lingered, all right? Now, obviously, if he's seen a woman and she's undressing and getting ready for her bath, he should have said, oops, and gone inside. And maybe he did. He just happened to turn around and go back out. And he's looking at this. And the more he looks at it, the more he desires it. Desires it enough that not only does he call for her and sleeps with her, but he is willing to murder her husband to have her. Let me tell you something about sin. It will take you further than you want to go. It will stay longer than you want it to stay. You will pay more than you ever thought you would pay. It cost David dramatically. Back up in time, Joseph. Joseph had a hard life. He got thrown in the dungeon. Now he's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's got a beautiful wife. And she's a temptress. And she decides that she wants young Joseph. And so she goes after him. And as she tries to get him to sleep with her, the Bible says he takes his... She's there and she's trying to get him to come into her. And so she's working on him. In all likelihood, she's trying to get his tunic off. All right? She's trying to, to, to undress this young man. And... He understands what's going on, and he says, oh, no, and he lets the coat, the outer garment go, and he runs, he flees. What's going on? Danger, danger, danger. That's what's going on. He realizes that he is about to get burnt, and he says, no, I'm not going to do this, and he gets out of there. You just can't stay. You can't stay in that place. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says flee idolatry. 2 Timothy 2.22 says flee youthful lust. And there's a whole lot more in there too. Flee, get out, run, go. Don't stop, don't look back. Don't let the enemy find your weak place. Don't let him come into that. Martin Luther once said, don't sit near the fire if your head is made of butter. The closer we get to the fire, the hotter the fire feels to us. 
even though the fire remains at the same temperature, the heat affects us according to how close we are to it. The closer we are to the temptation, the more it influences us. I don't know what tempts you. I don't know what temptations you're dealing with in your life. However, I do know that if you are breathing, you are battling. And our greatest resource in the face of temptation is a close relationship with Jesus Christ. So my counsel to you is that you bring your need to him. Whatever the need, whatever the trial, whatever the temptation, lay it down before Jesus. And then expect him to help you. Because according to scripture, for every temptation, he will make a way out. We, we got to stop. There's so much more. I wanted to take you into Proverbs. I'm not even going to be able to do that today. I just don't have the time to do that, okay? But there's a call in Proverbs of wisdom, and there's the call of the, the, the wanton woman, if you will. And it's a call from a high place. All can hear it. But at the end of the day, that call requires a choice. You can go down the path of wisdom, or you can go down the path of lawlessness. It is not a sin to hear the call, but it is a sin to willfully go down the wrong road. There's an expositor, an author, Donald Gray Barnhouse, he preached a sermon entitled Temptation and How to Meet It. This is what he says. He ends his sermon with this, and I'm going to end this sermon with it as well. He says, you're going to be tempted by the flesh. Run away. You're going to be tempted by the devil. Stand up and fight with the word of God in your hand. The sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. And as to the world around about you, be not conformed. But day by day, ask God to pour you into the mold of Jesus Christ. Present yourself a living sacrifice, your reasonable act of worship. Run. Run. Here's the problem. We can say, danger, danger, danger. It's hot. It's a fire. And we can start to run from it. But if all we're doing is running from something, we're going to be failures at best. You've got to run to something. When you run from your temptation, when you run from your sin episode, you run to Jesus Christ. You give Him the lordship of your heart and your mind and your will and your actions. And you stay close to him.